Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Third week, we have talked about identity. And uh, we have we've looked at the life of Job. And the first week, we, we talked about the, the fact that Job, he the Bible says that he was a man that feared God and eschewed evil. And uh, the fact that righteousness isn't just doing the right thing. Righteousness is not doing the bad thing. It's pursuing godliness and avoiding evil. And that, that, that way of life was a product of the fact he had deep convictions of what he believed. His doctrine determined his understanding. His understanding determined his deeds, and his deeds produced his reputation, his character in the eyes of God, in the eyes of Satan, in the eyes of his family and his friends. And tonight, uh, the next week, we talked about uh, uh, holiness. Holiness should be our identity. It is a, it's a progression of, of uh, what we talked about the first week. Holiness uh, the primary characteristic of a child of God is found in their separation from the world and separated unto God. Not because we're trying to uh, fulfill a certain list of rules or trying to please a certain group of people, but because we love God. That's right. God has sanctified us, so therefore we sanctify ourselves. And as God has given us His righteousness, we walk in, in respect and and love for God, and therefore try to keep our life, our mind, our whole being uh, holy before the Lord. The Lord is holy, so we should pursue holiness as well. And so, tonight, I want to talk about our identity. And here, here's, here's the fundamental thought I had. What am I? And who am I when everything that is visible and I see as proof of my value and identity is gone? Did you think about that for a minute? Now, now, we all have, you know, we identify ourselves with the place we live oftentimes. We, we, we are thankful for it. Uh, we work on it. We, we spend time there. It's where we make our memories and and, uh, and our life is a revolving, you know, we, we get up, we we walk out the door, and then we come back, and we walk in the door, we live there, we eat there, it's our, it's our home. And our home oftentimes can be a part of our identity. Our jobs can be a part of our identity. If you uh, do a particular trade, uh, you have the ability to do certain skills. Somebody may call you a carpenter or an accountant or a uh, just fill in the blank. And so many times there are many things that we 
that we uh, that they're part of our identity, but those things are temporary. They have not always been our identity, and they will not always be our identity. And, and I'll be honest, in the past few months, my brain has been uh, almost a direct IV of the, all this stuff going on. I have consumed a lot of information. I can write a book, and I can speak extensively with my opinions and thoughts and facts and figures. And really, in the scope of things, it has as much value as sports. Being able to rattle off uh, statistics and who's playing for one team or another, that's pretty worthless. So is this. This is almost as worthless, probably just as worthless. And so there are things, situations, maybe I have a little bit of, a, of my identity invested in them. Things that I, I may prefer or value. And, and potentially, I hope it's not the case, but potentially that will all be gone and be passed through history. And, and, I, and I just just had this, this, this thing the Lord put in my heart is how often do we allow other things that are temporary to be, to allow it to, it to be so much of what we uh, identify ourselves as. I, we're going to look at Job again. Job chapter 1 and verse 20. Uh, the, the, we understand that, that Job was a man that feared God and shoot evil. That that he, uh, the Lord had a very high opinion of him. Satan thought he was just uh, serving God because of what God gave him. And the Lord basically served Job up on a platter because he believed in Job. The devil didn't believe in Job. He said, take, let me take his stuff and he'll curse you. And so on a day, if you read the first part of the book of Job, the Bible says that he lost all of his donkeys, he lost all of his camels, he lost all of his servants, he lost all of his children, he lost all of his houses. All the things that many people looked at Job and said, wow, He's a, he's a pretty successful guy. He was all gone in a moment. And his, his response is here in verse 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and, what's it say? And worshiped. And said, naked I came out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Can we say this together? Blessed be the name of the Lord. As I meditated upon this, do you know that whenever this life is passed, I was praying before service, Lord, you know, I might have 50 more years. Go ahead, read it to me. Lord, I, 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 might, have, I might have 40 more years left. 30 more years, 20 more years. I might have a week. I don't know. None of us know our time. We do have time. And, and what would really be great is we, the Lord would just come take us away. Now, that, that'd be awesome. Uh, you know, I told with BJ tonight, I said, you know, I, I say I want the Lord to come right now, but there's so many people that I love. 
And, and he, she said, just, just curse God and die. But he said there, thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good of the hand of the Lord and shall not receive evil? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. When every quotient of value was removed from Job's life, that even his wife wishes he would die, what stands out about Job? I would say to you that Job had a revelation. Job had an understanding. Job had a wisdom in who God was and who he was to God. And the, the devil found out one thing about Job, that when everything was gone, Job was still a worshiper. And Job trusted God. When things were beyond anyone's ability to rationalize or understand, he was able to maintain his integrity and he was able to stay the course. Somebody say worship. Worship is is integral to what we are and who we are as people. We all are going to worship something. I would say to you that even people who claim that they are atheists, they are worshiping something. They may be worshiping their own intelligence. They may be worshiping their skepticism. But everybody worships something. Some people worship well, I, I'm not going to go through the list. The litany. But y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody worships something. It may be in partying. It may be having a good time. It may be uh, collecting money or stocks or bonds or whatever it may be. Some people's God is trouble. It's all they think about. That's all they talk about. They worship at the idol of trouble. I'm so glad I don't worship trouble. Amen. I may have trouble, but I don't worship my trouble. Amen. I worship the God that steals my troubled waters. Amen. I worship the God that gives me help when I cannot help myself. Somebody say worship. Jesus looked at the at the uh, Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. And he looked at her and said, you are worshiping, but you don't know what you worship. There's a lot of people don't realize that their life is revolving and worshiping something. They don't even, they wouldn't even know, I don't worship that. But, but check, uh, search their checkbook, check their bank account. Check, check, check what they're listening to. Check what, what, what they're thinking about. Check what they're, they're, they're dreaming about. People are, they don't know what they're worshiping, but they're worshiping something. And as a believer, we must never lose touch to the, the absolute crucial and, and necessary thing that worship must be a purposeful priority. I don't know about you, but my truck has never been accidentally cleaned. Right? Uh, there has nothing of value or meaning accidentally gets done. And I would say to you that 
that, that there are a lot of important things that we have to do. We have to take care of our family and our children and whatever responsibility we have. But that, that, that we can be sure that in a pursuit of doing what we have to do, that we be sure that, that God is at the front of it and the back of it. He is the Alpha and the Omega of it. He is in the beginning of it and the ending of it. When the, at the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the name of the Lord shall be praised. It's our identity. It's who I am. I am a worshiper. Can you say that with me? I am a worshiper. But worship doesn't happen on accident. Worship happens on purpose. Now I know, I know that, that, that a lot of times people mis, misunderstand the difference between praise and worship. Praise is worship, and worship is praise, but they're not the same thing. Does that, is that, is that, does that make sense? Praise is natural. You don't, you don't need uh, uh, any virtue to praise. Rap stars praise God. Uh, football stars praise God. There are people that do absolute dastardly things unless they thank God. I got away with it. There were, praise requires no virtue. Uh, uh, praise uh, is, is natural. It just you, you, You've been around people. They weren't worth shooting, but they could praise God. I don't know. They might be worth shooting. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Praise is just something that it, it doesn't really require a lot. I mean, yeah, you got to pick up your hand and put it together, and that is praise. And praise is is uh, is is humbling to the saints. It's it's a it's a good thing to put your hands together, and we all need to praise God. But worship is a whole other level of of devotion to God. The first time we find the word worship in the Bible is in relationship to Abraham. Having a conversation with God. And God says to Abraham, I want you to take the thing that you love the most. And I want you to go. And I want you to give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me so completely that it ceases to exist with you. And when Abraham is making the journey... To the place of building an altar and making a sacrifice. This is what he said of what he was doing. You stay here while me and the lad go yonder and somebody say worship. Worship. A lot of people would say, well, God's not fair. God's asking too much of me. But Abraham understood something. That, that there is nothing that I can give God that he's not going to let me keep. Something uh, that I wrote while I was praying tonight, and, and I, I don't know that I can remember it. There is a dimension where what we lose is found, where what we give is received back. And Abraham stepped into the void when he built an altar of worship. When we are willing to give to God. The very thing we love the most, it is only then that we can truly possess it. It is in a place of humble, obedient, humble surrender to God that we can absolutely have what the Lord wants us to give. Until he was willing to release it, he didn't really have it. 
But when he released it, the Bible tells us that in the fact that he was willing to release the single seed of his inheritance, the Lord said that your seed will be like the sand on the sea and the stars in the sky. And even to this day, the most blessed, most intellectual, most rich, most creative group of people in the world today are those who can trace their lineage to faithful Abraham and Isaac. If you know, if you haven't ever done a little research, find out how many Nobel Peace Prizes have been won by someone who is of a uh, Jewish uh, lineage. And, and what, I, what I, 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 I think it's so important for us to understand it is that, that when we can pursue God and, and we can put God first, you look at the life of Abraham. Abraham was blessed. Abraham was favored. Abraham was respected. But all of those things that were attractive to his life, the magnetic power of blessing that was on his life, it happened because he was willing to, to surrender everything. It started when he separated himself from the identity of his father's house. And then he just kept, there, there seemed to be a constant uh, withdrawal from his life, a constant pro process of sacrifice in his life. But whenever he entered that place of worship where he said, God, I, whatever you want from me, whatever you want me to do, Lord God, I will give it all to you. It is in that position where you can possess what would never be possible, what can be accomplished that can never be done on our own. And I'm telling you today, it is found in a place where we will just put it all in the hands of the Lord. I'm going to cast my cares on the Lord. I'm going to cast my dreams on the Lord. I'm going to cast my hopes on the Lord. I'm going to give him my bank account. I'm going to give him my house. I'm going to give him my keys. I'm going to give him my children. Because when I am able to relinquish control and relinquish ownership, it is at that point the Lord just gives it back to me. And the Lord takes good care of it. He gives it back to me with interest. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I, this, this final thought, I could go on forever. But I'm not going to. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself, what's it say? Somebody say strong. Somebody say strong. The Lord wants to show himself strong for the haze. Strong. He wants to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is perfect. I, I say pitched perfect. It's directional. It's, it's pri pri prioritization. Amen. I, I watched it. I watched something the other day. And, and they were saying that the speed of light has never been actually measured. And, and the reason why is because they can only measure the speed of light by basically a mirror 
And then measure how fast it goes from the light to the mirror to back. So they don't really know the speed. The only way they can uh, calculate the speed of light is to, to take how long it takes to go there and come back and cut it in half. But they don't know that's really how fast it's going. A person I was watching said, it could be, there's no way to test this, that, that light may travel at one speed that way and then come back this way faster. There's no way to really know the speed of light. And God is light. And I would say to you, I may not know how fast God can show up, but let's just say it's fast. Faster than a speeding bullet. Right? Faster than a light. I, 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 I think it's an amazing thing is that God doesn't have to come to me. God is with me. Right. I am never somewhere he is not at. I just have to show up where he's already at. And what I'm saying when I say that is I'm here, but it's possible for me to be here and not be here. And all the women said, amen. amen. You can be sitting in a room with your husband. And, and, and he can be looking at you and shaking your head. And he can, he might not hear a word you're saying because he's here, but he's he's not really here. Right, I know it. I, I, it's a fact. I, sometimes I have to, wait a minute, wait. I actually I tell him, you stop, you, you've got to say hey. Like wait at me, make sure I bring myself to this place. Otherwise, I, I, it's just it's just Charlie Brown's teacher. Right? And what I'm saying to you is so much of our walk with God is the Lord is here, but we're not here. The Lord is with us, but but we're not with us. And, and, and he is available to walk with us and talk with us and live with us and lead us and guide us. And if we would just begin to understand that the Lord, the Father, is seeking for someone to worship Him in sincerity and passion and desire. And really the greatest simplification of worship is simply, Oh God, where are you? Here I am. Just to walk with Him, to talk with Him, to, to fellowship with Him. Somebody say worship. 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 Does not require me to bring a ram or a lamb. Worship does not require for me to wear some religious garment. It doesn't even require for me to be in a place, a holy place. It simply requires for me to get my mind on Jesus. It's it's not hard. It's really not hard. I, I was I'm gonna say this and I'm done. Did I say that earlier? Okay, well, I was kind of kidding. <laughs> I'm serious right now. I was in the prayer room praying, and I just heard, I heard his voice. I heard, I heard him talking to me. And, and, and I just realized, what, what a blessing. To hear the voice of my shepherd. But in the, the, the very 
secret places of my soul, I can hear his voice speak to me. Amen. And when we will listen to him, and we will let that voice have his will and respond to his voice, that is what Lord Jesus, help me today. Help me today. I don't want to have to have everything stripped away from me to find out if I'm a worshiper. You saw it. You saw it in Job when he had all the stuff, when he had all the donkeys and the camels and the, the, all the stuff. You knew he was a worshiper. Lord Jesus, I don't want to have to lose it to, to know that I'm a worshiper. God, I, I'm thankful today for every great thing that you have placed in my life. Thank you today. I, I will, Lord, help me to be a more conscious and intentional person of worship this week. Help me to grow in my understanding of who you are and, and who I am to you. Help me to live in a way that honors that, that respects that. And reflects that. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Can we stand together and worship the Lord? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.